Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, my talkers, we are hanging out with Lori and special guest host Chris Hewitt from the Star Tribune today on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. How's it going, guys? Pretty good, Chris. Thanks for cutting out a work at the Star Tribune and getting on over here. I'm delighted to. Thank yeah. you for letting me come over. Really, really fun to have you. Julia will be back on Thursday. I did get a couple of photos from her, and the sun was shining uh, where she was. And she's she famously has a bad luck weather genie that follows her often on trips. Oh. Yeah. Unless I'm traveling with her. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good luck genie that follows you I kind of do, but she was... Very worried that Seattle was just going to be rain, rain, rain. So she sent me some pictures. And nice. It was sunny and it looked like a pretty beach. And a... I mean, to be fair, she picked Seattle, like the rainiest place. <laughs> <laughs> but usually by this time of the year, Seattle is, you know, their spring flowers have already come out. It's usually nicer than what it's been. They've had, a, they've had an equally as long of a feeling of a winter as we have here. I've been consoling myself with the Duluth news and in comparing yeah. us to them, like, at least we didn't get, what was it, 140 Well, inches. I talked to my dad. I said, how close are we to having all the snow melt? And he said, well, if it gets to be 55 on Thursday, which they say it will, that should get rid of about another six, seven, eight inch. Oh, my <laughs> they God. They have a lot of packed snow. Oh. Um, okay, so uh, this afternoon, like right around, I mean, noon today, we learned the news that uh, legendary um, actor, singer, civil rights activist Harry Belafonte died uh, of congestive, congestive heart failure at his home at the age of 96. What a great life. What a life. Gave so much back and gave us so many beautiful things. And... He, well, of course, everyone knows, you know, the Banana Boat song. That album that that was on, Calypso, that was the name of the album. It came out in um, 1956, and it was the first album to sell a million copies. Wow. And stayed at number one for like 30 weeks straight. And he told NPR in an interview in 2011 that... People did not realize that, uh, you know, the Banana Boat song is a work song and a song of um, rebellion because that's sometimes how people got paid. They would just get paid with rum. And so he was like, you know, he wanted, though, to bring that out. And he said, I know people think it's this like very happy song, but if they were to listen to it and understand the origins of the song, it's a work song of rebellion. Well, and, I mean, he basically is Calypso music, right? Like, other people have followed in his stead, but was there? No, he was the one. And by 1959, he was the most highly paid black performer in American history with contracts for appearances in Vegas, the Greek theater in L.A., and the palace in New York. And he was born in Harlem to West Indian immigrants in 1927, and he dropped out of high school to join the Navy during World War II. and. His black shipmates 
introduced him to the works of W.E.B. Du Bois and other African-American authors. And then following his discharge from the Navy, he became interested in acting and rolled under the G.I. Bill at Irwin Piscator's dramatic workshop where he, his classmates included Tony Curtis and Marlon Brando. And then he moved, oh, he first took the stage at the American Negro Theater where he worked as a stagehand and became lifelong friends with Sidney Poitier. And um, he had trouble finding, getting cast, so that's when he turned to music. And then music led to more acting. And, of course, he also, you know, he's an EGOT winner. Is he? I think he is. He didn't, oh, he might have gotten an honorary Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. the New York Times called him a singer, activist, activist, and EGOT winner. And um, he, his song, uh, in 1962, he did a blues album and he covered the Midnight Special. And on the Midnight Special, that is the first recording of Bob Dylan, who plays the harmonica on that record. That's an excellent piece of trivia. Isn't it? It was the first officially released recording of Bob Dylan and he just wails on the harmonica and it's a cover of Bo Diddley's Midnight Special and that was on his album in 1962. And he was also going to be attending the Belafonte Family Foundation next Thursday in New York City. He was still active out and about. It was to honor this wrongly incarcerated musical artist named Jimmy Dennis. And he was released in 2017, but he never missed opportunities to, you know, support righting wrongs and they're raising fundraising. There's going to be a movie on this guy's life, but now this probably will be a big, you know, memorial to Harry because his family's involved with it. Yeah. Well, and his reach is so broad. I was with my mom and sister on a road trip, uh, late last month, we went to the Civil Rights Museum at the former Lorraine Hotel in mm-hmm. Memphis. And oh, that's a whole amazing bunch of, museum. Oh, such a great museum. Yeah, it really is. It's the second time I've been there, and I think I liked it even more the second time. But he's all over that place because yes. he was so involved with so many of the civil rights. Well, he, he was Martin Luther King's very close confidant, bailed him out of jail after he was arrested in Birmingham, and he helped organize the March on Washington in 1963. Yeah, Harry did, and we can thank Harry for "We Are the World." He came up with that, that after they did. Do they know it's Christmas wow. in the UK to raise money? So he gathered all his famous <laughs> friends, and so "We Are the World," and he got the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian That's Award yeah. in 2015 to make uh, the O in his E guy. Yeah, gotcha. And just last year, he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, he sang uh, uh, at. Uh, um, um, Jim Henson's memorial Ooh. because Jim Henson said that his favorite episode of the Muppets was when Harry Belafonte was on and sang to turn the world around. Oh. So he spoke at Jim Henson's um, memorial and he he also in 1969 uh, he had a TV special with Julie Andrews and a black man and a white woman performing together on National television, that was the first time ever. So he was always doing that. Yeah, I remember reading about stuff in the 50s where he wasn't allowed to appear on TV because it was going to be a mixed race situation. Yeah. So he's, yeah. And I think Julie Andrews had to fight for the the appearance with him in that one. I think you're right. I think she writes about that in her book. But 
He made everyone better people and extraordinary life at the age of 96, really and truly. This totally. Is, this is the song, Turn the World Around. No, so, yeah, I was just going down the thing and listening to some of his music and, of course, some of his movies. Um, you would know Buck and the Preacher. That was a movie that Sidney Poitier directed in 1972, Uptown Saturday Night. His last movie was a civil rights pioneer in Black Klansman, the Spike Lee movie. Oh, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he was in that. And um, he was also had cameos in Robert Altman's The Player and Ready to Wear. Hmm. So, and he married his third wife in 2008. He survived by a wife, four children, two steps, and eight grandchildren. And we haven't even mentioned also one of the handsomest men who ever lived. Oh, my gosh. Holy so moly. good looking. He and Sydney. Yeah. What a pair. I know. I know. So anyway, rest in peace, Harry Belafonte. And uh, if you want to hear Bob D- Dylan uh, wailing on a harmonica, look up Midnight Special by Harry Belafonte, the 1962 version, and you'll hear Bob, you know. I kind of like the idea of them hanging out, hanging out in the West Village, like meeting up at the Bitter End or somewhere, yeah, and deciding. Yeah, you want to come in and play harp? I'm doing some blues covers. Anyway, kind of great. Um, all right, listen. When we come back, you have movie reviews galore for us. I've seen a bunch of stuff. Okay, we'll be right back. We're with Chris Hewitt from the Star Tribune, and uh, we've got movie reviews. This is our story we can't get enough of. Hey everyone, it's Lori here for Furniture Manor, and our secret furniture hack is shopping at Furniture Manor. Being in their wonderful store, and make sure you say Lori and Julia sent you, and here's just maybe some tips on some of the greatest and latest trends that are happening. Um, if you're looking to just like kind of zhuzh up your home, Accent Furniture is such an easy and inexpensive way to do it. Furniture Manor has a huge selection. You know, a cute rug, a funky lamp, a metal and stone sculpture, or a, one these oversized clocks that they have. They've got so much of that accent furniture at Furniture Manor. And also, they have really interesting nesting cocktail tables, lamps, um, also a real cool selection of different desks if you're working from home, like the flip-flop t- flip top tables that convert to working stations. So, two miles north of 694 on County Road 81, Furniture Manor. Well, there's the Hollywood fanfare, Chris Hewitt. He also reminded me that we could all watch Beetlejuice, the scene. That's the most, inf- that's what I first heard For that Hell song. For Harry Belafonte, yeah. right? What song was it again? Shake, 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 shake Sonora oh. or something like mm-hmm. that. Shake your body, right? Shake, yeah. shake, yeah. Sonora, yes. shake it all the time. And then the hands come out of come the plates up. and take their hand right. and pull them right down. It's like, it's a haunting scene, but really fun musical scene. So. Yeah, it really. And bonus Catherine O'Hara in that one, too. Yeah. So. That's right. Okay, so Mr. Movies. Let's start with Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which opens this Friday. Let's do. So I was not, uh, I, I didn't read the book. It's it's behind me, it and I'm getting it's behind me. you. Yeah. Well, it's probably behind you, too, right, yeah. age-wise? Yeah, but <laughs> I, I read it when I was, like, in seventh grade and desperately praying for Praying for boobs. And oh, okay. I was a big reader, and so that was like a, you know, it had come up before. You know, I was the right age to read it, but gotcha. I still read it. 
Um, Loved it. So I never had, and actually I still haven't. I should have probably before I saw the movie. But anyway, the movie's delightful. Uh, and I think it is intended for people who read it when it came out. I mean, I know actually generations of young women have now read mm-hmm. it. But there's a kind of a nostalgic feel, like we're looking back at it's still set it's in, the in the 70s. in the 70s, yeah. Yep. Uh, Rachel McAdams has a lot of very big collared shirts in the movie. <laughs> And uh, so does Kathy Bates, who plays the grandma of Margaret, who is this girl who's, I think she's in sixth, sixth grade, grade yep. uh, who is, as you said, about to maybe get her first bra and waiting to get her period mm-hmm. and maybe going to have her first boyfriend. Just going through all this stuff. And uh, her parents, her dad is Jewish, her mom is Christian. Her fam- the different sides of the families are kind of pulling on each other a little bit. So she addresses God at night and hopes to find some answers there and actually goes to a couple of different church services, too, in order to see if she can figure out what's going on with her life, mm-hmm. which, of course, is just adolescence. And eventually yes. the answers are going to come. Right, right. But the girl whose name is Abby Fortson, who plays Margaret, is fantastic. And my favorite in the movie, actually, is Rachel McAdams, who plays her mom. And she's just she has this beatific delight in her daughter that's so Mm -hmm. beautiful to see it's like the one of those movies that's full of kindness and gentleness and generosity and the same filmmaker did edge of 17 it's her behind this and it has less of a satiric edge than Mm -hmm. that movie does but the same sort of respect for the feelings and and thoughts of a young woman judy bloom was on gma yesterday and she said she thinks the movie's better than her book i saw that yeah she's just said it's delightful it really, really is. And I, I mean, she's not just blowing smoke with that. She uh, and, you know, the there was a documentary at the Minneapolis St. Paul Film Festival about Judy mm-hmm. Bloom called Judy Bloom Forever, I think. Mm-hmm. That's maybe coming up on CNN or somewhere, too, I think. Uh, and you really get a, a feel for a her regard for her fans. She has formed lifelong friendships, basically starting with fan letters from mm-hmm. little girls. Yeah. And the amazing impact she had on so many lives. So. Yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to see this movie. I think you're going to really, really, really like it. All right, let's talk about this weird movie that no one can describe called Bo is Afraid with uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Patti Lapone. Oh, can I describe it? I think I can. Okay. <laughs> so he's this guy who has very high anxiety. He's afraid to go out of his apartment because there are people who might attack them or he's there are Bo, germs. Then, he's Bo. Okay. Yep. And he is very afraid. Uh, and at the movie, beginning of the movie, he has a phone call with his mom, whose voice folks may recognize as Patty Lapone. I think they probably will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's supposed to go visit her, but he cancels because he's afraid to go outside and he gets locked out of an apartment. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel.
blah, blah, blah. And so it becomes this kind of picaresque adventure on his way to getting to her house to finally see her. He falls in with a number of, there's this weird environmental theater group that does a play that ends up sort of being about his life. He gets taken in by a surgeon and his wife, played by Nathan Lane and Amy, uh, shoot, which of the Amys? The one who was in... um, Anyway, Amy Ryan, Amy Ryan, the one who was in Murder Only Murders in the Building, mm-hmm. and they sort of take care of him, but not this very well. Terrible! It's crazy. <laughs> it's three hours long, oh, so people no. should be warned. Oh no! Uh, I liked it. It you ends did? up becoming a little bit like. Do you remember that Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life? There's there's an uh, an element. Oh, and Parker Posey's in it too. I do love her playing sort of a woman from his past when he when she was a girl. It's strange, and uh, it's very kind of in his uh, sort of tortured mind, mm-hmm. but I, I ended up liking it. I don't know that it needed to be three hours long. Okay. There are some journeys, there are some steps on the journey that maybe could be cut, Okay, I would say. It's the same guy who made that movie Midsummer with Florence Pugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there's a similar kind of, is this a comedy? Is this horrifying sort right. of vibe? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> or is right. it both? Uh, Grant, are you going to go see that? No. Nope. No, okay. not in my wheelhouse. Okay, no. <laughs> now this one I'm very interested in um, the documentary Little Richard. I am everything. Oh, it's so good. Is it? It's so good. Like you sort of think at the beginning, oh, is this going to be another one of those documentaries where there are a bunch of people talking to the camera about somebody's yeah. impact, and you're like, yeah, okay, I buy it. But it just feels very sort of conventional and not like the person because Little Richard, obviously, not conventional at all. No. And the movie then starts to go kind of gonzo, and there are really interesting, weird edited sequences, and they talk to unusual people about him. He talks a lot to the camera, and he goes through all these crazy changes where he's gay, then he's not gay, then he's gay again. The preacher. Yeah. yeah he went through he, that phase, yeah. Yeah, he feels like his life has no meaning, and then he realizes, wait, it always had meaning. And you really get a sense of the sort of vicissitudes of his life. And there's this scene at the end, my favorite part. It's just this rapidly edited together cuts of him and people he influenced. So we'll see him, and then we'll go to Harry Styles in a what looks like almost exact copy of a little Richard outfit. Then back to little Richard, then to Mick Jagger, then back to little Richard, then Then to David Bowie. Yeah. And there's this one uh, scholar who says she's talking about little Richard and sister Rosetta Tharp. And she says, what would it tell us about rock music? If we recognize that it was actually started by black queer people, Mm -hmm. meaning those two. And she's right. And the movie makes an amazing case for that. Oh, good. Where do we see little Richard? I'm everything. It is going to be on it's streaming. And I'm trying to remember, I think it's Netflix. Okay. All right. So you like that one very, very much. Okay. Yeah. That, that looks really good. And you know, when I got reinterested, I was like, yeah, we need a rich little Richard story. Cause in Elvis, right? the actor who played little Richard, even though he didn't have much to do, he was incredible in it. And then you realize okay, little Richard and Elvis are, you know, intersecting there and and he cribbed a lot from Little Richard yes, too. Yes. And I remember thinking, and we, I think we disagreed a little bit about that about the Elvis movie. But I remember thinking in that scene, where is his biopic? This yes. is the guy who really needs. Yeah, one. Yeah, no kidding. And that guy could easily pull it off too. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was. I so can't... maybe this will, you know, kind of revitalize interest in him, and that'll happen in his story. Yeah, I hope. Well, some other movies we're going to talk to you about. Uh, we're going to have some studio guests right now, but I want to hear about the Covenant and. Chevalier? Chevalier, yep. Chevalier, as in the actor? 
as in a composer musician in France. Marie oh. Antoinette's time. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, you're going to have to tell us about that one later. Happy to. All right. Listen, we will be right back. What's happening on the roads, Grant? Yeah, let's take a look at your roads. And just to update, I believe the Little Richard documentary is uh, Amazon, Apple, Voodoo. You can go there. I mm. don't see it here on Netflix. Okay. Sorry just, about that. No, that's okay. I just want to make sure everybody's looking in the right place for it there. So, Hey, Lori here for MSP Airport. And I want to just give a big uh, shout out and congratulations. Um, MSP Airport just was awarded... Um, by the Global Tastemaker Award as one of the top three airports for food in the country because um, they've got everything at uh, at uh, both the terminals, really. But, I mean, from our seasonal donuts to, you know, the cheese-filled burgers that we can get at Matt's, clam chowder. There's so many good options for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They also have the MSP ASAP where flyers can order menus for takeout from a number of restaurants. And that's really good. In Terminal 1, the Smack Shack serves the wonderful lobster rolls. Stone Arch is in Terminal 1. That's got a strong list of local beers and high tops. There's just so many good options. Get to the airport early and get going on your trip. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Tuesday. We are delighted. We have actors in the building. We we have Doug Anderson and Joe Rux. Yes. Am I saying your name right? And yep. you guys are here to tell us about uh, a show that's opening up at the Lakeshore Players. Is that the yep. theater? Mm-hmm. I think it's called the Hannah Hanna Flea. Hannah Flea yeah. performing, but we yep. call it the Lakeshore Lake 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 Players. Yep. Players. Yes, and you guys are staging opens on Friday, La Caja Faux. La Caja Faux, yeah. La Caja Faux opening on Friday. It's, uh, you love it. It's a glad, glitzy, glamorous, big Broadway-style show. You'll recognize some of the songs. Yes. And, uh, leave you tapping your foot. And okay. Feeling the love. And and is this the, um, I mean, I guess I am only familiar with the movie. Mm-hmm. I think of the Robin Williams, yeah. Nathan Birdcage. Light, Birdcage. Yeah, it's almost exactly the same thing. Only um, the Birdcage takes place in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, this takes place in uh, Saint-Tropez. Oh, France. fantastic. And this is a musical, so yes. it's not, uh, yeah. So, you know, whenever... You are ready, waiting for the lines from the birdcage. We just sing them. You do. Yes. <laughs> so, well, it's Jerry Herman wrote the music, and uh, Harvey Fierstein wrote the book. Yeah, and they won a Tony Award in nineteen eighty-four, right. I believe it was. Yeah, That's and and the so. main song from it, "I Am What I Am," um, is a you know a classic, a standard for everybody. It was made into a you know big disco tune at the time. So. I am what I am. You got to find that, Grant. Uh, I am what I am. <laughs> Except it's my song, so yes, you should, so, so I right. should let me up. sing it. So who um, do you guys play? Doug, who do you play? In- I play the Robin Williams character. You I do. play George. George, and who do you play? And I play the Nathan Lane character, which is actually two, which is Albon when he's a man, and then Zaza when he is in drag. Okay, so give us the setup. Give people the setup of the play. Okay, um... Is, uh, Alban and George have a son that they've raised. He's 24 years old, and he's getting married. And um, we're kind of surprised. He's mm-hmm. gone away on holiday, met this woman, and he's mm-hmm. in love with her. Mm-hmm. And so we get to meet her parents. And um, he's, like any other 20-year-old, he may be a little bit embarrassed about some of his parents and tries to hide the fact that they're... Um, 
homosexuals. <laughs> and a, and on top of it, a drag queen as well right, as right. his mother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the 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 parents of his fiance are very conservative, and they're you know part of the moral brigade, mm-hmm. and um, and so there's you know comedy ensues when it. Alban and George try and cover it up and the son tries to cover it up to make sure that the marriage happens and uh uh like like the birdcage um it follows the synopsis pretty pretty well does, there's just yeah. a lot of songs um in there how many songs oh 16 wow yeah. okay songs yeah yeah hopefully it, we'll have them memorized oh my god yes there's so many of those things uh words yes words <laughs> words are hard Words. Does it feel like with what's going on in some places in the country with uh, drag queens and especially right now in Florida, does it feel like that adds sort of an extra layer of meaning to the show? Oh, yeah. I think it does. I think it absolutely does. And, you know, it's just by happenstance that they are doing this. Lake Shore, Lake Shore Players is doing this show. And then this is, you know, all the political stuff surrounding drag shows um, is happening at the same time. And, and you know, it's uh, and God bless everybody's views, you know, more than happy to do it. Uh, listen to them. Uh, but it's also a matter of this show really is about a family. It's mm-hmm. about love. Um, you know, I found something interesting, too, is like I have a very good friend who lives in Medellin, Colombia, William, who is an artist. And I asked him about, you know, have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and he is an artist. He is very straight. He is very, you know, I wouldn't say conservative, but, you know, I asked him about it just cross culturally. Yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, I've heard about that. I've heard all about that's happening. And I said, well, what is your view? And he goes, it's an art form. Drag is an art form. He goes, just like my art is an art form, that is an art form as well. So it was interesting to get the cross-cultural kind of thing. And and, and from a straight man, too, you know, Mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, you're going to come in and see a show about family and love. And everybody can relate to that. Mm -hmm. It really is a a lovely story. It is. uh, From a different um, point of view. And what era is it set? What time period is it in Saint-Tropez? Today it is okay. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. not the seventies or anything. No, okay. uh, no. right. The script was was is written well enough so that it's pretty universal and not. Yeah, it doesn't have it. to be a period piece. Right. It certainly can be. Um, it creates a few more hurdles if you mm-hmm. do it that way. So uh, we kept it right here, right now, and all my all my gowns are modern. Oh, and I get it. to wear a little sparkle too. Yeah, hello, kitty. We did we did put up a link for uh, tickets and the show again the uh, La Caja Fall. It starts Friday is opening night. Right, and we yes. run till May twenty first. May twenty first. So, and I see you have like. Uh, you've got an ASL interpretation day. Mm-hmm. We have pay what you can day. You've got some options. Yes, yes. there, And We're, so that's really fun. So we've got the link. And of course, you know, parking is right there at the theater. Oh, yeah. yeah they've got and, great parking. So. And lots of good restaurants here yeah, in White Bear Lake. Absolutely. There's yeah. A so come. Fabulous restaurant called Ingredient. Yeah. Oh, right there. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. So okay. come early, have a pre show dinner, and then mm-hmm. a show drink have a drink yeah. yeah have a drink before have a lot the show before the show because the more you drink funnier I've the better we are drinks. <laughs> <laughs> the more you drink yes. the better doug looks um, chris have you ever seen the play have you I seen have the not. stage I've seen, yeah. I've seen the French movie and I've seen the uh, the birdcage as well. But yeah. no, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it on stage somehow. I know. Yeah. That seems unbelievable that we haven't seen that. But it's a big undertaking. It you know, it's, it's with all show. the costume changes and yes. all the songs. And, you know, we have a cast of, what, 17? 17. 17 yeah. people. So it's a huge undertaking. Uh, but it all pays off. It's yeah. all worth it. it for the com- for a community theater to do, I mean, it's, it's really good. It's quite impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In his memoir, Harvey Firestein talks a lot about revisiting it because he 
I think he participated in at least three Broadway versions mm-hmm. of it and revised a little each time. And each time he was talking about wanting to get two gay men playing the two gay lead characters mm-hmm. and how difficult that surprisingly for him ended up being. Although finally, ultimately, when he was in it, right. that happened. Right. And it's happening here, too. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> wonderful. But yeah, yeah I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's it's the show itself because it was, you know, it won the Tony, I think, in 1982. So it's. It has 80. That's why I said 84, Uh, but it's evolved. And, you know, the script and, you know, some of the idiomatic phrases, you know, from the time had to be, you know, polished up a little bit. Um, But it's just a testament to the universality of the show that it's, you know, it's still done so often uh, around the country, around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, and I know I'm a broken record, but it comes down to a show about love, a show about family the conflicts that yes. we all have. It doesn't matter how that that family makeup is. We all have the same. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that Harvey had written this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I did not know that. Yeah, he had just come off his, uh, his own show that he had written, and I think he won the Tony the previous year, too, and uh, won it for Lacage as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the previous year was. It might have been Torch, Torch Song, Song Trilogy. Trilogy. Yeah. yeah it- you know, I remember reading when Dustin Hoffman did drag ish in tootsie, tootsie. Mm-hmm. he was uh very disappointed to see himself in the mirror and realize that he wasn't pretty and he wouldn't have propositioned himself are you, yeah. are you, are you pretty nope no <laughs> nope. um you know but the thing is that you know for him in particular he was trying to pass himself off as a woman where my character is more of a drag queen is mm-hmm. more of an art form so it's all exaggerated and yeah. you know that's one of the criticisms that people have is like oh it's making fun of women i'm like no it's, no, it's celebrating not. women yeah. it is celebrating all the the lovely amazing things that women are and they just happen to be men who are doing it you're much prettier than i am in drag i look it's like true. spongebob <laughs> SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob SquarePants in a dress. Yeah, it takes me about an hour and a half to get into that makeup. So, what's the hardest part, makeup wise? Um, I was just talking to Doug about this, keeping it on my face because I tend to sweat. But, you know, I block out my eyebrows and put them back on above my eyebrows and do a crease and just really accentuate. A little Joan Crawford action? A little Joan Crawford action. (laughs) Tried it last night for the first time. I'm like, ooh, I got to try that again because that didn't turn out well. (laughs) Um, So it's it's getting the eyebrows down and proportionality, making sure that my face does not look like a... Pablo Picasso painting mm-hmm. um, and get it all proportioned correctly. But it's all about really bringing out the contours. And that the might happen and, tonight. Yeah, we don't know. Are you in doing full makeup rehearsal and everything tonight? Mm-hmm. Now that it's Tuesday? I'm already in full makeup right Are now. you? This You're is already, the amount of makeup I wear. Yeah. <laughs> Your contouring is fantastic. Yes. yes. Thank you. That Can't jawline. see those blended edges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tonight is full, full makeup, full costume. And it is quite a, you know, I have probably seven quick changes. Um, in the show from gown to gown and then mm-hmm. I come on as a man and then I come on as someone's, you know, I dress up as a, you know, conservative mother. So there's lots of, I have, you know, four yeah, different ways, five different ways. Yeah. I wouldn't say he looks like Barbara Bush, but <laughs> that last one where I'm dressed up as a traditional, you know, mom uh-huh. you know in With a very pearls. stereotypical way yes, yes. 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 Uh, a mother the of the dress. bride dress and you know a very sensible haircut of course so, um so it's it is quite a change I, I last night that was the first time that uh i had all the drag on and then the one scene that i came out as a man that i'm in a suit one of the other cast members saw me and she goes oh, 
that's not right. Because <laughs> they're so used to seeing my character and me in gowns that I came out in the suit. And they're like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Which is yeah. the reaction you want. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Let's talk tucking. So if you're yeah. switching from male to female, is there in, out, in, out? You know what's delightful is that. That is a very the, personal question. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> sorry. If I didn't want to answer, but I wouldn't I'm, answer. I'm certain it's yeah. one your listeners are asking. Uh, yeah. So back to me and my tucking. Yeah. Um, uh, all the gowns are very loose fitting oh, and so uh, i don't really i mean i'm pretty cinched up and i have yeah. a corset and i have some hip enhancers yes. um but luckily the gowns are flowy enough and there's no like leotards they tried to jumpsuit and i was like i'm not I'm wearing not that, wearing <laughs> that. No. Yeah. give me an a-line <laughs> exactly. There's, like, exactly there's a couple of the cajels that do need to do a little tucking yeah so yeah. that'll be yeah and they're they have yeah so they have never done it and tonight will be the first time because right. they have some they have some leotards and stuff that they're oh, wearing oh my goodness i don't think it will be an authentic one because yeah. that's pretty that's pretty uh extensive and um complicated uh plus i f- think they wouldn't be up for it so, god bless her heart so to speak yeah so to speak no, no bad pun intended no, no, no. Well, but i, I guess we'll see tonight are intended yeah because i don't i don't know they've if they've actually tried their leotards on yet so i guess we'll all find right out. well listen we're uh, happy to know about the show la cage it opens um this friday April 28th to May 21. We've got a ticket for the link. It's lakeshoreplayers.org. Here's a little music. What do we got? That finishes the uh, that finishes the first act. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, oh, guys, thank for, you for having us. Having us. Really thank appreciate you. It. We appreciate it. Again, lakeshoreplayers.org. La Caja Full, May, April 28th to May 21st. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Lori and Julia here to talk divorce once again with Ann Tressler from Tressler Law. The topic of timing comes up. Is there a right time to get divorced? It's so sad anyway, but does this concern other couples? People do ask me that question. Some people think, I'll wait till the kids are out of school and get their finals and it'll be summer. Or I get the opposite. They say, well, I want to get them back in school and they're in the routine. And so the timing tends to revolve around kids more often than not. And the reality is that for most people, it's simply a personal decision. The only time I say you need to move sooner rather than later is when you're concerned about physical safety of anyone in the family or you're concerned the other side may be depleting money. If timing is something that people are worried about, will you be able to address that in the free one-hour consultation? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, during the consultation, when you're getting more facts about each specific case, that's when you can decide whether or not the timing really is a priority in that particular matter. For your free one-hour divorce consultation, call Tressler Family Law. Find them online at trustlerlaw.com or use my talk keyword divorce. That's a long distance dedication from Grant to you, Chris Hewitt. A little Dolly Parton. (laughs) Big dreams, faded jeans. Both. Yeah, you have both. A friend just had a birthday party, a karaoke birthday party, and someone sang Me and Little Andy. Oh my gosh, that song is so sad. I don't even know Me and Little Andy. It's a Dolly Parton. It's from maybe the mid-70s. Okay. The one about the little little girl going from door to door looking for food and her oh. brother freezes to death i think oh or her my dog, gosh or I well <laughs> i mean dolly dolly is absolutely everything and she is one busy woman she stopped by good morning america with her manager's french bulldog named billy and she's now added another thing to uh everything else that she's done she's got a new children's book oh she's Mm-hmm. That a new children's book called Billy the Kid makes it big, and she joins us live from Nashville right now. Good morning, Dolly. How are you? 
Well, I am good, and it's good to talk to you. How's everybody on the front there? We are doing great, and we're, we're very, very happy to have you in, in talking to us today. And this book, let's talk about this book. Can we see that French bulldog oh, named Billy so the Kid? Look at him. He is your god That's dog. Billy. He's, god is he dog. your god, your god <laughs> dog? <laughs> Well, this is my manager's dog, and the first time I saw him, I just fell in love with him. He was a tiny little puppy, and we've been just inseparable ever since. So I thought, well, I need to write a story about Billy the Kid making it big in Nashville. And it's a cute little story about confidence and about bullying and all that sort of thing, and about dreams and keeping on with your dreams. It's a sweet little book, and uh, like you said, it's called... Billy the Kid makes it big, and I think he loves reading it. We read it to him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you what do you want kids to take away from the book? Well, actually, uh, just basically what I was talking about. I wanted mm -hmm. to instill confidence in kids, and that it's good to go after your dreams. You know how I'm always talking about that. But it's really about accepting people as they are, other people different than you or other puppies in, in this case, and just kind of keeping on with your dreams until you see them come true, because they can if you work hard enough. And Billy, the kid here, kind of proved that, didn't you, Bill? And, you know, he sure did. But anyway, it, it's just a fun little read, and it's, it's basically from four to seven years old, but uh, we think everybody enjoys it. I love reading it, and all my friends that are grown-ups, they love the little book, too. Because it's illustrated, really cute book, you know, blah, blah. But Dolly gets in there and does the work in other subtle ways about, you know, always trying to be lifting people up and sending the message. It's okay to be different and be who you are, and I just... She's a damn national treasure. She sure is. And she did a very nice little job of, um, Michael, I just answered that question you asked me, yes. but I'll, I'll answer it again anyway, very, very politely. Good. Yes. But what's the thing she does, uh, her and books, speaking of, oh, it's just yes. amazing. What She's sending a book to every kid in California once a month or something like that for well, a year? She's been, I mean, she's like one of the, I forget what the, her book initiative is. She's had it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, a number of years, but she's always all about making sure that, you know, they're, she's raising money, getting books out there, getting books to kids. So I, I don't know about specifically the California one. There's something, she had just ramped it up okay. in California to make it even better. And it's something like every kid gets a book a month for a year, something That's like that. That's amazing. She's, yeah. she's just incredible. Yeah. There's no way you cannot love Dolly Parton. No. I want, um, this, I got to thank Roseanne. She sent us a note, uh, Hi, Chicas. I, um, I, in case you don't know, there's a show that Julia Louis-Dreyfus has called Wiser, Wiser Than Me, where she talks to, quote-unquote, older women. And her first conversation was with Jane Fonda. Her most recent, but not out yet, is uh, Carol Burnett. She's doing the couch conversation that you and Julia talk about, that you want a talk show where you have older guests on the couch just talking about whatever. Yeah, that's a podcast, I think, right? Yeah, it yeah. is a podcast. But I love, you know, like Kimmel a couple of weeks ago had Carol Burnett on. I'm like, why aren't these talk show hosts getting Dick Van Dyke and having Dolly on for no... I have people on for no reason. Yeah, instead of selling something? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with some of these legends. Right, who can just off the cuff tell you an amazing story about Beverly Sills or whoever. Whatever, yeah. Julie Andrews. Yeah. So anyway, I so that. 
Thank you, Roseanne. I'll have, we'll have to check out that show, Wiser Than Me. But that Dolly, oh, damn it, she's cute. Mm-hmm. Billy the Kid makes it big. Looking for a book. All right, tell us about The Covenant, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie directed oh. by Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Guy Ritchie, former Mr. Madonna. Yes. Uh, it is set in Afghanistan, and Jake Gyllenhaal plays, uh, uh, I can't remember his rank, but anyway, he, I think he's a sergeant there who gets a new, they call them interpreters, who's an Afghan man who can help him when he has to negotiate with people that he meets. Mm-hmm. And But he really is more of a soldier. He also has a gun for large parts of the movie. And very quickly in the movie, the two of them get in trouble, and they're stranded in the middle of Taliban territory, and they're on foot, and essentially keeping each other alive. And the only way they make it through is that his interpreter, in quotation marks, who's played by this really hot guy named Dar Salim, look mm-hmm. him up, mm-hmm. uh, helps him survive. And then the second half of the movie after Jake Gyllenhaal actually gets back to America, it turns out that his interpreter now needs his help. He has to go back and help him in a kind of a survival mission. Uh, it's very exciting. It's really violent. Virtually everybody in the movie who dies and it's hundreds of people dies with a bullet to the head. So, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't be a Julia movie for sure. Yeah. But uh, I think it's pretty good. I yeah. think uh, particularly the first half of it, the first kind of survival story is really tense and exciting. And it seems like there's peril. Around if you're a Guy Ritchie fan and you love all of his movies, will this be another one to add to it? I think so. And it's actually a little bit of a new sort of thing for him because his movies usually are about cock- cockney mobsters making mm-hmm. jokes and shooting each other in the face. This yeah. one is a little more more serious and a little bit more about something, I mm-hmm. would say. So, okay. Yeah, I think I think it's a good new page for him and for Jake Gyllenhaal fans. Okay. And the new Dar Salim fans. Dar Salim. All right. Grant, you're going to see this oh, movie, aren't this, you? Yes. First yeah. weekend, yeah. Yeah, because uh, um, I know Casey's just like, he liked his last one, The Gentleman. Oh, yeah. You know, and he's just like, I just like whatever that Guy Ritchie does. And I said, there's a lot of people that feel that way about Guy yeah. Ritchie movies. So, yeah, warn him that this is a little bit different. Yeah. No Hugh Grant. You are right, right, it's right. A little bit, yeah. It's a little bit more like that, actually, that Mark Wahlberg movie, a Lone Survivor. Oh, where he oh was yeah, that of, was a good movie. It's yeah. in that kind of vein. Oh, then even better in my eyes. Yeah. Good, yeah. Oh, that Lone Survivor was a good one. All it right, was. well, we don't have time to hear about the music-based romantic drama um, Chevalier. Is that you say? Yes. It's based uh, Chevalier. Chevalier. It's weirdly based on a true story about this black composer who was a pal of Marie Antoinette's and then fell out of favor. Oh my gosh! And do we like this movie? It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's you know beautiful costumes, people ripping each other to shreds with witty remarks. Yeah, it's good. And are we seeing this on a streaming service? No, it's in theaters now. It is okay. All right, wonderful. Well. Listen, we will be back. We've got some tickets to give away. If you're a dance fan, you're going to want to stay listening. Even if you're not a dance fan, please stay listening. You'll miss too much good stuff. Mm. Go to the bathroom. Come back.